0: With Back to God Ministries, how's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, let's just jump right on in it. You are not following the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are still continuing, and I'm talking about without any shame, no repentance, nor any regret, if you are still fornicating, which is what? Well, the Bible, as we know, is not silent on issues of sexual ethics. Nope. And it does not leave us to ourselves to figure out what sexual purity looks like. Listen, the Corinthian church had a reputation. Paul wrote and said, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication is, as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Amen. First Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 5.1 Now, beloved, that's telling. Not even the pagan Gentiles were having sex with their father's wife. But the church, a member of the church, I believe this is the one that Paul wrote how the church put him out, put this man out of the church. And I believe the man repented because he he was writing to the church to forgive him, forgive this individual. But anywho, okay, all my... My Bible students out there, y'all can go and read the complete backstory. But the Greek word, which is used here and over 20 more times throughout the New Testament for fornication, is the word porneia. We get our English word pornography. It derives from During the 4th century, the Greek text of the Bible was translated into Latin in a work we call the Vulgate. In the Vulgate, the Greek word porneia was translated to the Latin word fornicati, which is where we get the word fornication. The word fornication is found in the king james but excuse me but modern translations opt to simply translate it translate it to immorality so it is safe to surmise that porneia or fornication Refers to any and all sexual activity that happens outside the context of God's design of marriage, including but not restricted to pornography, masturbation, adultery, or any other sexual activity that does not honor Christ. Paul warned the Ephesians that immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper for the saints and there must be no and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather given of thanks amen ephesians 5 verses 3 to 4 so this snapshot provides an image for us that broadens the meaning to include even how we speak to one another can't you see beloved can't you see why we must be in the word of god studying to show ourselves approved. So we will have absolutely no excuse on judgment about what we didn't know what was written in his book. Listen, we all have access to the Bible. They are sitting on bookshelves, collecting dust on coffee tables, and some are hidden away under beds. With all of this technology... We have in the 21st century, we have access to his blessed 66 books of wisdom and knowledge about righteous living. We have his word that details our salvation so that we may be edified and sanctified. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, uh uh-uh there will be no excuse none also beloved i am so compelled to qualify as well that this that this does not assume that all sexual activity within marriage is Christ honoring because i know some married couples Ooh y'all be, y'all be swinging from the from the chandeliers, huh? But now hold up now. Okay, married couples, because not all what goes down in most married bedrooms are Christ' honoring. Not at all. And I know some married couples believe they can do any and all things in the bedroom because they are married, like fellatio and the reciprocation of your partner, sodomy, orgies, and the like. Yeah, bringing out toys, sexual toys. Mm -hmm. Listen, there is much abuse that takes place within the framework of marriage. And there is no question that God's judgment will not be spared simply because you are married. And all of the filth going down in the bedroom. Yeah, I know. The marriage bed must not be defiled. So God is not into nasty He is not into anything that is not clean, pure, and holy. He is a righteous, just God who demands his children to act accordingly. Amen. Enough said. You are not following the Lord Jesus Christ if you are still practicing idolatry, which is what? The worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. It is at the root of all sin. Why? Because sin seeks to steal glory from God to whom alone it is due. Mm -hmm. And take it for the sinner. The first of the Ten Commandments prohibits idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. Amen, beloved. So, why does God hate idolatry? Because the idol worship we read about in the Old Testament and that which we see today in our modern Western society look completely different. It doesn't matter if we filter it through the lens of the past or the present. The fact is God hates idol worship all the same. But why? Listen, if we step past the borders of the continental United States and you will encounter an an entirely different set of idols, that are only scarcely seen in the u.s many eastern and middle eastern countries worship false gods associated with with islam hinduism buddhism and countless other religions all around the world so let's start with the basics what exactly is idolatry? Well, Merriam Webster defines idolatry as the worship of a physical object as a god or immoderate attachment or devotion to something. I will include or to someone. Yeah. Biblically, we can define idolatry as anything in defiance of the first two commandments. It is the worship of idols, graven images, created things, another God, or the use of idols in the worship of God. Hmm. Roman Catholic Church comes to my mind. Yeah. Yes, listen, if we are not careful, we can even make the very gifts of God an idol when we seek the gifts themselves over the gift giver. So, while there are unfortunately numerous instances of idolatry in the Old Testament, I think three of the most memorable narratives about idolatry for me are when Moses came off the mountain with the Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, 32, Elijah on Mount Carmel with the false prophets of Baal in 2 Corinthians 18, verses 16 to 40, and, of course, the three Hebrew children in Daniel chapter 3. Listen, these narratives... Tell the story of ignorance and blatant sin, reverence and unwavering belief, and finally bravery and undaunted faith. Yes, Moses descended the mount with tablets in hand only to hear the sound of songs of worship to the golden calf the people had formed in his absence. Beloved, he was so enraged. He shattered the first tablets with the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Imagine standing beside Elijah as he challenged the prophets of Baal and even mocked them as their God failed to answer their cries for fire. It would have been even more amazing to witness the all-consuming power of God as fire fell from the heavens oh beloved if you have ever stood next to a bonfire or or a wildfire you know the sound it makes the rush and roar of the flames only only to be amplified As the holiness of God consumed the water-soaked oxen sacrifice only with the water in the trench around it. Listen, I can only imagine being being a young teenager standing before a glistening golden idol and commanded to worship it. Those three Hebrew boys... They stood with undaunted faith, defying the decree of a king, knowing that certain death awaited them on the other side of their decision. But they stood anyway because of their unwillingness to bow a knee to a false idol. The kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar was eternally impacted by the presence of God as those same three boys walked among the flames. Oh, beloved, listen. The first four commandments dictate our relationship with God. The first three in particular guide guide our worship of God. We see this in Exodus 20. Verses 3 to 5, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Listen, God hates idolatry because he is unwilling to share his glory. He is unwilling to share his attention with another. Oh, beloved, we, we got to understand that. Listen, he hates idolatry so much that even when the, when the Israelites went into a new land, they were to take the false idols and images and destroy them. We see this over there in Deuteronomy 7. Twenty-five to twenty-six. Listen, he didn't. He didn't even want them to be tempted by the gold and silver they were. They were made from because once an idol creeps in, it ensnares you. When Moses descended the mountain after receiving the Ten Commandments, he found the Israelites doing what worshiping. A golden calf he proceeded to destroy the idol and crush it into powder he put it in the water and made the men drink it Uh uh-huh and then he proceeded to call forth the men who were for the lord they went through the camp and killed the men who were not three the bible says three thousand men fell that day why why did God command them to die? Mm-hmm. Because it will be like allowing your wife to be a prostitute. Yes, idolatry is spiritual prostitution. Listen, our Father in heaven hallowed be thy holy name, is unwilling to share his glory. He is unwilling to prostitute the bride meant for his son. He hates idolatry, and those that practice it will not inherit the kingdom of God. So say 1 Corinthians 6, Verses 9 through 10. Listen, he takes no smaller portion than the whole when it comes to attention and worship. Any idol that attempts to subvert his, his glory is it is defamatory to his character. It says that some other item, object, feeling, emotion, or false deity can bring you joy and fulfillment, and that one of these things is worthy of the same adoration as the as the Lord most high. Beloved, this is false theology. Mm-mm. Stop it. Repent of your idolatry. Otherwise We will perish. We will perish. So we see many modern day idols today, family and children, celebrity and fame, sex, comfort, phones, technology, jobs, status, physical appearance, entertainment, money, material things identity yes even identity listen beloved our identity might be one of the biggest idols worshiped today outside of our physical appearance we have largely abandoned well some of us have who we are in Christ, and placed our identity in other things, whether it be our social media following, our position at work, our abilities or skills, or the achievements we we have. Many have their identity wrapped up in the wrong thing. This is called the pride of life. The pride of life is rooted steeply in idolatry. Beloved, it's a mess. Enough said. Listen, you are not following the Lord Jesus Christ if you are still practicing, not idolatry, adultery, Mm -hmm. which is what? The act of a married individual having sexual relations with someone other than their spouse. And this includes adulterous remarriages. That that new bride of yours, quote unquote bride, that you married once you divorced your, your first covenant spouse, And they are still alive. Well, that marriage, Jesus says, is adulterous. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So, adultery also includes remarriages when you have a living covenant spouse. Although you have divorced them, if they remain in the earth and you remarry, Jesus says you commit adultery. And I know, I know Many who are in second and third and fourth and fifth and so on remarriages believe they have every right to seek another partner in life, especially if their previous relationship didn't work out. Well, beloved, we are here to break it to you. Only death ends the marital covenant the bible according to 1 Corinthians 7:11 well it's telling us if there be no reconciliation with your covenant spouse you are to remain single that means unmarried and it goes without saying celibate yep That means you do not have the authorization to remarry just because Bob cheated on you, abused you, ran off with his secretary, stole all your money, went to jail, is a crackhead, don't clean the house, just a lazy good-for-nothing. None of these reasons give you the authorization to remarry and set up shop with the new quote-unquote spouse. It don't matter how many ways you cut it. Adultery is sin, whether or not you agree with it. The Bible says in Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. Amen. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual and moral okay married couples y'all y'all better cut out all that kinkiness in the bedroom Mm-mm. you don't get a pass just because you're married and you think you can just abuse your spouse in the bedroom Talking about pleasure? Mm mm No, keep it clean, keep it holy. Luke sixteen eighteen, Jesus says anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Amen. It's cut and dry, beloved. The reason why it is controversial and, quote, unquote, so hard, as they say, to understand. You mean to tell me Jesus doesn't want me to be happy? No, he wants you to be born again and come to repentance. And whatever the sin you are in, yes, he wants you to come out of it. Yes, Because you see, in the eyes of God, as long as that first spouse is alive, that marital vow is still in effect. Man can hand out divorce certificates like Tic Tacs all day, all day long. If you have named the name of the Lord as your Savior we have been commanded to depart from iniquity. Where is the fear of God in your life? Do you not fear him that can throw both your body and soul into hell? Okay. Well, Proverbs six thirty two. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Okay. Okay now whoever does so destroys himself amen oh holy spirit teach us today matthew 5:28 but i say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart amen Beloved, this is idolatry. I mean, sorry, this is adultery. We talking about? Yeah. Even if you look upon, whether it be a man or a woman, but but Jesus was saying here, who whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yeah. Romans seven two to three. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Amen. And beloved, this this scripture right here has been so twisted and mangled by those who were looking to proof text that if a wife commits adultery, then the man can't rightly divorce her and start over again. But that's not what this is talking about. This this is talking about that if as long as her husband is alive and she remarries... And have sex with another man. Well, yeah, she commits adultery and vice versa. The man doesn't get off the hook if he commits adultery. Because you see, it says a woman. Stop it. I'm telling you. How about this? Live clean and holy. Obey all the teachings of Jesus. And if you don't understand any of them, go to him and ask for wisdom. Stop trying. Stop trying to isolate Jesus the scriptures, to imagine what he really meant. No, he said what he said, and he means what he says. Mark ten eleven to twelve. Maybe this one may be more clearer. Okay. He answered them, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Amen. Enough said. You, my friend are not following the Lord Jesus if you are effeminate by perversion. Which is what exactly? It is a lifestyle choice in defiance of a person's God-given gender. In the Old Testament, the word translated as effeminate is also used for male prostitutes. We see this in Deuteronomy 23, 17 and 1 Kings twenty two forty six. 46. In the New Testament, the Greek word translated effeminate means soft and delicate. Mm-hmm. On the streets. Okay, on the streets. When we see a man that's very prissy some may say you know as as children when when we see a little boy that, that's very girly girly we have, may have called him a sissy you know the, you know as children we we were so ignorant. We, we only repeated what we heard. And we see, you know, teenage boys, they wearing makeup, long hair, braided long hair. Some are even wearing dresses, carrying handbags. They are, appear to be even more feminine than the females, this is effeminate and it is not of god in first corinthians 6 9 this word is listed separately from homosexuality indicating that they are not synonymous an effeminate man in this verse is one who has rejected his masculinity and identifies as a female. Yep. Now he may or may not be sexual active, but he has chosen to live intentionally as a soft and delicate person, rather than embrace his God-given identity as a man. He takes on the characteristics of a female. And relates to other males much like women do. It's a sin. Listen, beloved. When God designed male and female, he created more than mere physical differences. Men and women were created to fulfill differing roles in creation and in our relationship with the Lord. So rejecting those God assigned roles is a symptom of rebellion against our creator. Thank you, Holy spirit. Hmm. When people defy God, and decide they can live any way they choose, well, God allows them to follow their perverted lusts to their natural consequences. Romans 1, 26 to 27 says, that is why God abandoned them. Yes, God will turn you over to your perversion, he, he will turn you over to be a reprobate. Yeah. Rather than repenting and, and allow a Holy Spirit to gut you and cleanse you and deliver you from this perversion, you say no. I was born this way. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Somewhere along the line, this got planted into your, your psyche, that you are female. Whether it was through parenting that pushed this on some of their kids, because, beloved, hear me. Some parents who may have wanted a daughter but got a son, they treat the son like she, he's a girl and then when they get, you know, around that, especially around like eight and nine and ten, you know, playing with dolls all the time. And what, whatever the parent, either the mother or the father, whatever, treat them delicate and feminine. Mm-mm. You are setting them up for that lake of fire. You know, like, especially with the boys piercing their ears. Some of them get nose rings, braiding hair where it's down below the shoulders. That's not cute. You are setting them up. So God allows them to follow their perverted lust. Listen, it says, that is why God abandoned them to to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged and sex with each other and the men instead of having normal normal sexual relations with women burned with lust for each other men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin it is sin it don't matter what the world calls it, because the world calls it love. You can love whoever you want. Uh-uh. Well, holy God, and his word stands forever. It is sin. Unnatural. So, as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved amen beloved perversion escalates when women and men abandon their god-ordained identities and try to adopt the characteristics of the opposite sex yep you got women wanting to be masculine and we Men become like women and women become like men. The sin lies in their choices. When a man defies his masculinity or a woman rejects her femininity, both are choosing a lifestyle that goes against God's ordained purpose for a man and a woman it is a symptom of a gross sin rejection of god's ultimate authority enough said you are not following the lord jesus christ if you are still practicing homosexuality here we go which is what Okay, because the Bible clearly and consistently declares that homosexual activity is a sin. Mm-hmm. Over there in Genesis 19 verses 1 to 13, we see the account of the sin of sodomy over there in Sodom and Gomorrah and how the Lord... Rained down fire and brimstone and and destroyed those cities and those surrounding cities around Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, he did. Leviticus eighteen twenty two. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Verse tw- um, Leviticus twenty, verse thirteen if a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman both of them have committed an abomination they shall surely be put to death their blood shall be upon them amen Romans 1 we just we just talked about this right Romans 1 26 to 27. Because it teaches that homosexuality is a result of denying and disobeying God. It's not love. King James calls it abuse with mankind. Yes. Yes, Holy Spirit, the Bible does not call homosexuality... Love. Rather, it calls it rebellion against God and abuse of mankind. When people continue in sin and unbelief, God gives them over to even more wicked and depraved sin to show them the fertility and hopelessness of life apart from God. One of the fruits of rebellion against God is homosexuality. Again, First Corinthians 6 9 proclaims that those who practice homosexuality will not see the kingdom. Nope. No homosexual will inherit God's kingdom. 1 Timothy 1, 8-11 But we know that the law is good. Amen. If one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Amen. Hallelujah. So, beloved. We see that if one does not repent well, the law is going to judge them. Mm-hmm. So it don't matter how many homosexual celebrities, singers, rappers, actresses, actors, politicians, you name it, even in clergy clergy is still sin no it's not love and no he does not authorize it listen there is no such thing as a christian homosexual nope but there is room at the cross for the homosexual for the lesbian for the transgender for the transvestite for the harlot the whoremonger just so we are clear all sin ain't no one picking on anyone in particular all sin is offensive to god without christ jesus we are lost whatever type of sin has entangled us if we don't repent we are lost According to the Bible, God's forgiveness is available to the homosexual, just as it is to the adulterer, idol worshiper, murderer, liar, and thief. God promises the strength for victory over sin, including homosexuality to all those who believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Amen. Enough said. You are not following the Lord Jesus Christ if you are still a thief. Which is what? The act of taking another person's property or services without that person's permission or consent with the intent to deprive the rightful owner of it. I almost couldn't get that out. In essence... Taking something that's not yours or taking services and not paying for them in a timely manner. Beloved, I know that one may be a surprise to other folk that when we obtain services and we willfully do not pay them and we stiff companies, But that's thievery. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, if we just simply don't have the money, I mean, sometimes these bills are in the high thousands, and we can work a 1,000 jobs and may still not be able to afford to pay off certain debt. Repent of it go to god agree with him it is a sin to steal and going forward do not incur any debt that you can't pay that's stealing some may have good intentions on making the payment but then what happens see now this goes into practical budget keeping Are we, listen, because see now, here we go. Are we off in idolatry anywhere else where the money is going to pleasures and treasures and, and the things we like rather than going to what needs to be paid? Let's see here what we got here. Okay. Scripture clearly says, Thou shall not steal Mm -hmm. that means lying on your tax returns taking things without permission from your job refusing to pay back debt finding someone's lost item and making no effort to return it thievery starts with coveting And one sin leads to another. If you take something that doesn't belong to you without permission, that's stealing. And God does not deal with this sin lightly. We must turn away, repent, obey the laws of the land and trust in God to provide for us. Amen, because the Bible is clear. Yes, we are using 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 as the foundation of that. If we continue to follow anything on that list, we ain't making it to heaven. Thieves will not enter heaven. Stop deceiving yourselves. Mm-hmm. Enough said. Let me see here Uh uh-huh let me give you romans 13 9 for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word you shall love your neighbor as yourself amen you're not loving your neighbor if you're stealing from them beloved Mm because the Lord Jesus was saying over here, like he was saying in in um Mark 7, what is it 20 to 23 or maybe 24? But over here in Matthew 15, 17 to 19, he's saying the same thing. Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and then is expelled as waste? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And it is those things that make a person unclean. Mm -hmm. It is out of the heart that evil thoughts come, as well as murder, adultery, sexual immorality, stealing, false testimonies, false testimony, and slander. Amen. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. I'm just looking over. Listen, all you got to do is just type in thievery scriptures in the Bible and a whole slew of scriptures that, that come against stealing. So enough said you are not following the lord jesus christ if you are still covetous which is what inordinately or wrongly desirous of wealth or possessions greedy oh holy spirit at the heart of covetousness is greed you are a greedy person you are not even content with what you have. You think because others have something, you also should have it. And you got a mindset like, huh, well, so-and-so don't even deserve that. I do. Says who? You, greedy person? You already got, but you want more. More. All of this idolatry and lust and covetousness, you're not walking. You're not following Jesus Christ living like this. You're not. We have been commanded to be content with what we have. Now, if the Lord chooses to to bless us with anything material, well, hallelujah. If he blesses our brothers and sisters more, well, then hallelujah. If we only work from paycheck to paycheck, but we are living clean and holy, well, hallelujah. And we see others, they got houses and cars and lands. Well, then hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know why so-and-so got that promotion I've been here 15 years. I have a college degree. This one just came out of high school. Because see, I, I know what it is. He's the boss, son. And so we know nepotism is alive and well. Be satisfied with your position and you continue to do a good job. Who's to say in five years the boss's son is going to leave and start his own company. But because you were backbiting and, and talking about the boss, you end up getting fired. So, okay, it's a greedy person. Covetous is a strong wish to have something especially something that belongs to someone else. It all boils down to lust. You want what someone else has without being content with what you already have. And because you are desirous and greedy, some have committed great sins in order to get what they want. Murder. Many have died by lethal in- injection because they wanted something that someone else had. And so they committed murder to get it. The Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet that is selfishly desire and attempt to acquire your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Amen. Keep your eyes on your side of the fence, beloved, because today coveting a neighbor's ox or a donkey may seem may sound something like this why does he get all the breaks i work just as hard as he does but i get nowhere if i just had what he has i can do better too oh beloved we cannot love and serve our neighbors if we are jealous of their station in life Coveting another's livelihood can result if we are not careful and believing that God is not doing a good job caring for us as we accuse Him of being unfair in the way He has blessed someone else. Listen, King Ahab is a biblical example of someone overcome by the evils of coveting. We see this crazy story over there in 1 Kings 21 verses 1 to 16. Quick story, quick backstory. As the king of Israel, Ahab had everything he needed, yet he saw a vineyard he did not own and coveted it. His covetousness led to discontent Pounding and eventually murder when his wicked wife Jezebel seized the vineyard for him and had his rightful owner killed. Oh, beloved, when we allow covetousness to have its way, it will always lead to greater evils. Oh, beloved, listen, First Timothy 6, 6, 2 verse 10 gives us the cure for covetousness. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and and destruction. Amen. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. Amen. Beloved, God gave us commands against coveting for our own good. We cannot be covetous and thankful at the same time. Covetousness kills contentment, joy, and peace. When we stay continually aware of all God has done for us, we safeguard our hearts against covetousness. Amen. First, Thessalon- First Thessalonians 5.18 In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Enough said. You are not following the Lord Jesus Christ If you are still a falling down drunkard, which is what? Drinking alcohol excessively where you are out of control. You are in an alcoholic stupor. You have lost sense of your faculties. The command is easy. Do not get drunk. Beloved, Use discretion and be wise with alcohol. We see in the Bible where drinking wine was consumed in, in celebration, celebrations like weddings and banquets and in communion like at the Lord's Last Supper and in medicinal healing purposes. Like Paul, when writing to Timothy, he mentioned to him, In 1 Timothy 5:23, to no longer continue drinking only water, but use a little, see, beloved, use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Amen. Paul did not, Paul was not telling Timothy to tie one over. He says, just drink a little bit. Because alcohol does have medicinal purposes. But like with everything else, that also calms the soul and bring pleasure, it gets abused. Mm -hmm. Just like with sex. It's, It's wonderful, but if it's not contained and appropriately used... It can also be deadly. Drunkenness, according to the dictionary, means having the faculties impaired by alcohol and reaching a level of alcohol in the blood that exceeds a maximum that precedes a maximum prescribed by law. Mm -hmm. So, Paul's counsel is helpful when he said all things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful all things are are lawful for me but i will not be enslaved by anything amen first corinthians 6 12 yes some things are beneficial and i can do them but it's not all entirely good for me because he Paul got the mindset right. He's not going to let anything enslave him, whether that be alcohol, sex, m- money, power, anything. He's like no. Mm mm. I keep this body under subjection. Least I become a castaway. Oh beloved, this is why Scriptures warns against the dangers of drunkenness because drunkenness ruins lives. We see in Proverbs twenty three twenty to twenty one, be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags Mm-mm-mm. amen scripture warns us against the dangers of drunkenness because god's judgment is on the drunkard Woe a pronouncement of judgment to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. Amen. Isaiah, Isaiah 5, verse 11 and verse 22. Mm-hmm. Drunkards cannot serve in church leadership. Elders must be sober minded and not a drunkard. Likewise, deacons cannot be addicted to much wine. According to 1 Timothy 3 verses 2 to 3, also in verse 8. Also, see Proverbs 31 verses 4 to 5. Yes, godliness is characterized by sober mindedness. Titus two three says older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, aka busybodies, or slaves to much wine. Amen. Drunkers are considered unbelievers in the Bible. 1 mm-hmm. Peter 4.3 For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Oh, beloved, listen, we are called to live every part of our lives to the glory of God. And that includes both eating and drinking. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 13.13, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Amen. See, beloved, the Bible is telling us what what type of life and behaviors are acceptable to God and what is not. What is not? All this indulging, indulging of the flesh is going to get us straight. What it says over here. Yep. Galatians 6, 7-8, to 8, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Amen. We will reap what we sow. We keep sowing to this nasty, stinking flesh. We're going to perish. Yes, all of this feel good ain't really good, beloved. Therefore, Luke 21, 34, be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. And the worries of life. And that, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. Amen. Lord Jesus was telling us, be prepared for his coming. And in the meantime, as he tarries, calling all men everywhere to repentance, he is telling us to be on guard. He's telling us, stay alert so that our hearts will not be weighed down with drunkenness and dissipation. What is dissipation again so we won't forget? hmm, It is debauchery, decadence, wildness, self-indulgence, sinfulness, immorality, impurity, corruption, vice, licentiousness, it's a mess, promiscuity, lustfulness, lewdness, wantonness, and drunkenness. The Lord is telling us how not to live as we await his coming. Isaiah 28, 1, what sorrow awaits the proud city of Samaria, the glorious crown of the drunks of Israel. It sits at the head of a fertile valley, but its glorious beauty will fade like a flower. It is the pride of a people brought down by wine. Wow. Amen. Enough said. That's a sad state of affairs. Look at what drunkenness does To a person and a nation. It brings them both down. My friend. You are not following. The Lord Jesus Christ. If you are still a reviler. Which is what? Those who speak. In an insulting manner. In essence you are a slanderer. The verbal form means to assail with contemptuous language, to utter bitter complaint or denunciation. Christ Jesus says, whoever says you fool will be liable to will be liable to the hell of fire. Amen. Matthew 5, 22. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Amen. Matthew twelve thirty six. I know. It is so easy to think. Oh, my words are no big deal. I'm not doing anything bad. In fact, I'm justified in what I'm unleashing out of my mouth. Look at what they did. Oh, really? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? How we excuse our own unguarded words, even as we wince in pain at the words of others. Beloved, not only must we not be revilers, but we can't be hypocrites either. Again, a reviler is a person who uses words to damage, control, control, or insult someone's character or reputation. Today, we will call a reviler a verbal abuser. Reviler is a a multi-purpose word that is used in the Bible to describe all manner of verbal sin, such as slander, angry outbursts, and foul language. excuse me Mm -hmm. reviling is usually listed with sins we would consider greater such as homosexuality and death well paul lists revilers among the sexual immorals and drunkards In 1 Corinthians 5.11. And he instructs the church. To have nothing to do with such people. If they claim to be a follower of Christ. Amen. Enough said. And lastly beloved. You are not following. The Lord Jesus Christ. If you are an extortioner. Which is what? A greedy. Ravenous person. The element of of covetousness and usury is involved in the meaning of this word. For it is greedily gotten gain by threat, exposure, kidnapping, or by force, oppression, or abuse of authority. It is also lending huge amounts of money. Knowing the recipient can't possibly pay and therefore what was put up for collateral is taken. And in the case of loan sharking, you may get your arm broken or you may get shot. Or they may come and bust your kneecaps. Yeah, these are extortioners. Mm hmm what was mortgage is forfeited yes you have unscrupulous lending companies that that hand out mortgages and then unbeknownst to you down in the fine print way down on page 193 paragraph paragraph g highlighted unbeknownst to you tucked way in the middle of f- fine print is a balloon payment once you make five payments the next payment we want it all meanwhile they don't tell you that up front and then at the at the closing you are signing like 2,500 different documents and then when you when you call them, like wait a minute, hold on. No one told me. Yeah, we told you. And then here here they go ripping out page one one thousand and seventy five highlighted paragraph G where you initialed, cause no, come on, no one really read all of that legal ease, and they just tell you sign here, sign here, sign here, sign right here, right here, right there. Here we go. Boom. Okay. Six months later, here the bank come knock, well, not the bank, but this unscrupulous lending company comes knocking at your door with note in hand, talking about, well, the house is now mine. Yeah, extortioners. Mm-hmm. Is this set up from the word go to get you? No, to get your material possession by any means necessary by hook or by crook. These are they who intentionally and knowingly take from the poor and needy by fraud and pillage. The extortioner, if he or she does not repent, will perish. Oh, beloved Lord Jesus, aimed charges of extortion, fraud, and robbery against the people of his day, particularly the Pharisees, in the in the sharpest terms their ears could bear. Over there in Matthew twenty, Matthew twenty three thirty five, woe to you, self righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of extortion and robbery and self-indulgence, unrestrained greed. Amen. John the Baptist counseled, repented tax collectors and soldiers. When he says over there in Luke 13 No, Luke 3, verse 13 and 14. Collect no more than is appointed you. Rob no, rob no. Oh my goodness. I'm tired, y'all. Listen, rob no one by violence or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Amen. The final stroke is given by Paul. Again, 1 Corinthians 6:10, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers, aka extortioners, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Yep, the extortioner is listed among some, of the greatest crimes committed by humanity in the Bible and is punishable by eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Amen. Enough said. Enough said. Beloved, at the end of the day, the Bible is clear from Genesis to the last jot and tittle in the book of Revelation. The unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. Nope. So let us read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And then I'm going to let you all go. As a matter of fact, let us begin in verse 8. Okay. Because it is quite interesting that Paul was talking to the Corinthians. He was talking to the body of Christ. He was not talking to outright sinners. Because in verse 8, he was saying, On the contrary, it is you who wrong and defraud. And you do this even to your brothers and sisters. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Paul was telling them, do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate by perversion, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God, and such were some of you before you believed see he's pointing out the fact that because apparently this were some of the lifestyles they were were living in and some were dibbling and dabbling once again dibbling dabbling once again and he was exhorting them stop it do not be deceived And why would they be so deceived? Yes, Holy Spirit. Why would they be so deceived? Still doing these things. Why would they be so deceived? You want to know why? Because they assume like many are what? Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. They must have believed that because they were believers that they can get away with how they once lived because now they are in Christ. No, beloved, that is why once saved, always saved is so damnable and and dangerous. And I love how Holy Spirit always finds a way to keep bringing this forth. He, he always finds a way how we can wiggle that in about just how damnable and false and dangerous it is. <clears throat> just because we are in Christ, we don't have a past to continue in lifestyles we once lived before we believed. In Christ, the Bible is replete Scripture after scripture calls for us to live holy and clean. We have Holy Spirit to sanctify us, cleanse us, guide us, teach us, and lead us. He showed us how to live by pointing us to Jesus. And we have God's word 66 books pick one every last single book in the bible tells us that god hates sin he wants us to repent he wants us to turn from every evil wicked way and turn to him so in christ we can be saved from this present world and his coming wrath Beloved, it is not difficult. It's only difficult when you still want the world and Christ Jesus too, and you can't have it both ways. Glory be to God. So back over here, because Paul would just finish telling us that the reviler, the slanderer, nor swindlers will will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. And, And such were some of you before you believed. But you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. Amen. Beloved, this is what happened to us. Listen, are you filled with God's Holy Spirit? Because if we continue to willfully, blatantly, and habitually walk in sin, well, God's Spirit is not in us. Holy Spirit is not going to strive with us as we could and, and, and fight with us because we don't want to let the world and the flesh go. Nope. And if we keep it up, God will turn us over to be reprobates. He will wash his hands of the matter because he ain't striving with man. No, he ain't doing it. His eyes is on Jesus Christ and what he has done on behalf of humanity. And if we are too fill in the blank, if we are too ignorant... And rebellious. To get on board. Then we going to perish. Yes we will. And we won't be able to pull on grace. We won't be able to pull on the apostate bishop. If you and I. Do not produce fruit. In keeping with our repentance. Lord Jesus says over there in. Matthew 15, we will become like broken off withered branches, withered branches that are bundled together to be burned. Uh huh. And so, before you even fix that face, well, that's working for your salvation. Salvation is a free gift. You see, this is why I'm going to love on you. Because I get it. I was there too. I tried to play both sides of the fence. I believed every bit of "one saved, always saved. And I couldn't fathom either how God wants me to be holy and I'm living in this fallen world with all of this temptation. He understands. He sees I'm trying. No, beloved. Nope. He wants us to live obedient lives. And we can kick the can around talking about how it's so impossible to stop sinning all this temptation, we all sin. You can't tell me you don't sin. Because if you if you say that, then you are a liar. Beloved, we can keep going around this same table. At the end of the day, Christ Jesus is on his way back, and yes, he expects. Not even so much expects. But he demands. That we do live godly. Lives worthy of the kingdom. I was thinking of something else. His grace does not give us license to sin. And we can't use it as a green light, like as if it's some okay that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm born again. You know, I I may slip, I may slip here. I may slide there, but I'm still good. Well, beloved, we do know we have an advocate. And I will keep impressing this. We do we do have an advocate, Lord Jesus, and glory be to his name that when we miss the mark, we go straight to our Savior. We go straight to God. We confess that sin. 1 John 1, 9, I love it. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and going forward we sin no more just because we have his grace doesn't mean that we can live however we want and still go to heaven no we must follow jesus because jesus knows his true sheep it is they to them he will give eternal life to these are they who follow listens and obeys Jesus Christ they don't follow strange voices they know his voice he they know him and he knows them so let us never get it twisted so yeah And such were some of you before you believed. But you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the Holy Spirit of God, the source of the believer's new life and changed Behavior. Amen. Oh, come on, beloved. Come on. Come out of sin. Stop it. You're going the wrong way. If Holy Spirit is truly in you and you have put on the new man, you are not going to want to sin against God. You're not. I'm a witness. You're not going to want to deliberately, on purpose, set it in your heart to commit sin. No. Why? We have been washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of in the name that's above every name. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity, beloved. Glory be to his name. We must walk in the fear of the Lord. Otherwise, we will think we can take his grace and get on with the business of sin. No, Mm. no. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Like Paul over here in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it. To control me. Amen. Father, that's the mindset of your children. Some things are permissible, but not everything are beneficial. All of this, this drinking and partying, you know, it may have started out as a simple get-together celebration, a little wine. Okay. But then, People just go too far. You give them an inch, they take a mile. Oh, Father, we know in times past, we were right there. Right there in the thick of it. But glory be to your name, you pulled us out of a life that was headed toward eternal destruction. And those you have called as your messengers, we scream aloud. Turn, turn, turn from your evil, wicked ways and turn to God. So you can be saved, made clean and pure and holy in the sight of God. Oh, Father, thank you for your wisdom. We love you. Oh, Father, we love you, and we shall obey you. Father, forgive us. Have mercy. Have mercy on us, Father. If we have done anything, said anything that's that's not holy, that's not perfect and just in your sight, we welcome the discipline. Teach us your ways. Teach us what is good and right and holy in your sight because we don't find your commands to be burdensome. We don't we don't find them to be troubling. We don't find them to be such a bore that living clean is so not fun. Father, we have been deceived long enough. Now it's time for us to wake up and understand time as we know it is is coming to a dramatic end when Jesus Christ returns with his angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel. They shall be punished. With everlasting fire, separated from the glory of the Lord. Oh, Father, have mercy. Have mercy on your people. You are a good Father. Lord Jesus, you are a good shepherd. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our paracletus. Thank you that we can walk alongside of you being guided by God's word. We seek to be holy and may whole as we await the coming of our Lord. Therefore, we shall remain sober-minded and alert. We know we have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour but if we submit ourselves to god resist the devil he will flee that's the key right there that's the puzzle piece that many have not put into play we don't we don't have to be oppressed we don't have to be hounded by the devil cuz we keep playing in his playground But we humble ourselves, submit ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. And he shall deliver his people. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Glory be to God. Beloved, I pray you have been edified. I know I was. Thank you for tuning in. And Lord willing. Until next time, repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Live clean. Live holy. Be righteous. Be kind. Love your neighbor. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. I love you